Hi everyone, welcome back to Chat Shit, Get Fit and welcome back to Is It Bad For You? This is the series where we explore numerous things in the health and fitness industry, looking at the science and diving into our own thoughts as well to come to a pretty solid conclusion to if something is indeed bad for you. This week we explore the world of bad exercises and we are talking about the exercises you may have seen online shared by certain fitness professionals claiming that these movements are dangerous, bad for you and that you should never do them. The question is, is this fear based on the current scientific evidence or is it based on a solely biomechanical approach slash old evidence? Well, that's what we're going to unpack in today's episode. We do look at a few key exercises, including the upright row, good mornings, sit-ups, behind the neck shoulder press, Jefferson curls, and kipping pull-ups. And we're going to focus on two key areas of worry when it comes to these bad exercises, and that is the shoulders and back. So let's find out. Let's find out if these exercises are actually bad for you, or is this just a case of certain fitness professionals sharing a rather damaging, nocebic narrative. Let's get into it. Good evening, Tom. Good evening, Bill. How are we doing? All right, mate. I'm just laughing. <laughs> I know. I know. This is like our third time trying to start the podcast, by the way. It, just, uh, it is. Um, I apologise. I've been very disruptive. You know, I found out there was a new ride at Fort Park, the Angry Birds 4D experience. Um, and yeah, this is our fourth try. I'll try not to get distracted. What are we talking about this week, Bill? We are back with Is It Bad For You? And we're talking about bad exercises. Clarify exercises, not the Angry Birds 4D experience. Yeah, not the Angry Birds 4D experience. Yeah, Ages so if you've probably heard plus, if you heard from the uh, the intro that I've not yet recorded, I probably would have told you some of the exercises we're going to be talking about today and a bit more sort of background. But we're essentially going to be going through exercises that often get called bad or dangerous. Uh, we're going to unpack the evidence and give you the gen. That's one for our military listeners on if they are indeed bad for you. Mm. There's quite a lot to it. Uh, so I suppose we should start with our Instagram polls, Tom. Uh, before we jump in, Tom. This is the podcast Instagram, not my followers. But this week, you've done a poll, haven't you, for your followers? I have. Fucking other tables. The tables are turned there, aren't they? Who's about the? I'm attempting to find them now. Do you know what? Um, and to be honest, if I'm looking at the show notes, and I was expecting this, but most of the answers are kind of you know similar to yours. Yeah, I would have thought so. Similar yeah. to yours. Although I have got some little uh, outliers here, actually. Right. Go on. You do yours first, then. Go on. Yeah. So, so your, uh, your followers have said. Are there any exercises or movements that are bad for us? And I've got the common ones. So I got, yeah, upright rows. That was the first one. And I was expecting that, to be honest with you. Upright rows. If you have no idea what an upright row is, um, Google it. Well, I can show you a picture, actually. There you go, look. Or Bill can show you a picture. Moment. Meanwhile, Focusing. while that's happening. There you go. There you go. Yeah, so it's where you basically, you're pulling something up to shoulder height, very close to your body, basically. Gives a sick delt pump. All of them at some point alongside the orthopedic cost narrative. Yep, cheers for that. Uh, he's right though. <laughs> v attachment cable rows. That was quite an interesting one because that just sounds really uncomfortable in general. High poles. Uh, high poles, very similar to an upright row. Yeah, very similar. Except it's a little bit more explosive, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's basically it's starting a lawnmower. Yeah, it's good. It's used in CrossFit quite a lot to use that hip extension to work on that move. Kettlebells, etc. Kettlebells, yeah, dumbbells. Sure. Um, but yeah, the best way to explain that is like imagine like standing trying to start a lawnmower. It's a powerful mm. move when you're trying to upright row something quite rapid. Don't let your knee go over your toes when you're lunging. All PTIs apparently say this, and I actually shared that to my stories because yeah, it still infuriates me that that one gets um, spouted out a lot. The whole knees over toes thing. Uh, 
This one is from Lauren Slater. I dimly remember Upright Rose being the devil. Lauren Slater Coaching is actually a really cool account to check out, by the way. She's another one that pushes out good information. Um, Yeah, a movement optimist like ourselves. What's her name, sorry? Lauren Slater? Uh, Lauren Slater Coaching. Um, But yeah, once again, Upright Rose being the devil, literally. Uh, Squatting Arse Grass. Yep, that still gets uh, called out every now and again. Lateral abdominal dips holding a weight. Side bends. Yeah, I was about to say that. Side bends. Do you you know who it is that said that? Oh, God, who is it? That would be Ashley that said that. Oh, really? Oh, wow. Ashley, side uh, side bends would have been fine. Yeah. Yeah, side bends would have been just, fine. Just showing off now, aren't you? Yeah. Sure. Lateral abdominal dips holding away. All right, calm down, all right, level two. Like, yeah, all right. Yeah. Fuck yeah, all right. Fuck yeah, Joel Seaman over here. Yeah. Um, any exercise you say is good, I say it's bad because I want to fight. That is the nine foot nine killers, also known as Mikey. Oh, Mikey, Jeez, yeah, that of course Mike. he'd say that, wouldn't he? Fucker. Uh, upright rows and good mornings. So yeah, good mornings. We'll talk um, about that today, yeah. Yeah. Knees over feet in squats and running. So yeah, running, running. mentioned. Yeah. Run. yeah. It's okay. an exercise that's bad for you. Have you not heard, Bill? It's not like we did a podcast on it. You know, yeah, it's bad for your knees. Get, that's quite a while ago, that though, isn't it? And uh, a mate of mine said Bosey uh, ball squats. He just said that because he knows it would wind you me know, up. Yeah. I feel like people say stuff now just to fucking wind us up. They know what we they know what we want to hear. Yeah, they know what we want to hear. So they say the opposite. However, the biggest Joe, I'm very surprised no one said deadlifting. Well, I'm, I'm surprised no one said Wait till deadlifting. Wait I go to the po- I'll go to the podcast poll, mate, and then yeah. Be... yeah. The podcast poll, yeah, not your poll. Yeah, not my poll. Not my poll. These are not my followers. These but, are our um, followers. Okay. Yeah, the most common exercise mentioned it or movement was the upright row. Basically, okay. bringing your arms up to, yeah, like, <laughs> be on a 90-degree angle. Cool, mate. I'll go through this. So this poll was actually quite cheeky. So now, this one actually didn't get as many votes as normal. And do you know why I think this is? Either yeah, people, were too, people were too scared to either have an opinion on it, or as one person actually sent in, Adam, he said, it depends to all of them. So I think other people might have had the same thought process of him going, I don't really feel comfortable saying yes or no, because yeah. it does depend, which is fair enough. It's actually a very valid point when you hear what the questions actually were. So I asked, is behind the next shoulder press dangerous? You, yeah. Yeah. And then have we spoken only, about this before? I don't think we spoke about this specific movement, no. I think no. we have, like donkeys ago. Donkeys ago. Sorry, carry on, carry anyway, on. Anyway, uh, 92% of people said no. 8% of people said yes. Oh, Jefferson Curl's dangerous. 100% said no. Got some good listeners. Fucking this, hell, that's awesome. <laughs> this this one, mate, no surprises. Are kipping pull-ups dangerous? 27% of people said yes. 73% of people said no. But that upset you. But we Still did the episode. 100% on Jefferson Curl's, that is a, that, that is a chat shit, get fit peeled. That is, yeah. That's a new I mean, thing I'm going to start saying. These are our listeners, mate. Um, are upright CFDM rows dangerous? Field. Upright rows. So, once again, 92% said no, 8% said yes. Still a good result, to be fair. Uh, a good morning's dangerous? 100% said no. Mm. This is interesting. Are sit-ups dangerous? We'll come on to why I've said sit-ups in this, mate, because there was I showed you, didn't I? There was a funny video about this, but 8% said yes. So, there's people out there who think sit-ups are dangerous. Mm. Uh-huh. Interesting. Anyway... I'll go on to some of the um, actual responses from people who actually sent them in. So, uh, Tom, you had to reply, didn't you? You had to respond to the poll, didn't you? Couldn't help yourself. Did I, what did you I say? say? <laughs> what do you think you said, Tom? I generally cannot remember. The right to exercise D's nuts. <laughs> <laughs> That's what oh, you said. Oh, shit. Fuck's sake. It's pretty funny, I have to say. <laughs> Lungeon seems to be coming up quite a bit, doesn't it? Lungeon. We've got another one here about lungeon. So, used to avoid lungeon with my knee touching the floor as I was told it was dangerous. 
So touching the knee on the floor. Who the fuck told you that? Yeah. That's all I I mean, don't get me wrong. It can, if your knee touches the floor, it can take the tension off of the muscle a little bit. But it's not necessarily bad. Unless you're like absolutely slamming yeah, it yeah. into the ground. Yeah, unless you're going, Which, yeah, yeah really I would recommend. It. But if you need to touch the but ground. That's not the mo- but that's not the movement's fault, is it? That's not the movement's fault. That's your own fault for being so reckless yeah. with the lunge. But yeah, uh, always a good one. Handstand push-ups. We'll come on to that later. Handstand push-ups. It's CrossFit. CrossFit-esque movement though, isn't it? I'll come on to that in a second, actually. Uh, then we've got these two. I'm calling you out, Phoebe. This was you and your, your shit staring. I put these on the actual Instagram. An apple can be dangerous if you try to eat it while hanging upside down. And a door can be dangerous if you walk into it and stub your toe. Tom's deep in thought. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I I, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily say that the movements they're performing is dangerous. It's just, there's other factors the going on there. Other factors. Maybe that's maybe there's, there's maybe there's a lot of deepness behind these messages. Maybe she's not joking. She's being serious. It's like everything could be dangerous depending on the context. Yeah. Maybe that's what she's getting um, at. Do you know what? <laughs> there's, a, there's, a, there's something I say in regards to like, oh, what can cause like injuries or get you hurt at the gym, and it's oh, sometimes it's just act of God. I mean, I'm not religious, but I mean, it's just a term I use. But sometimes shit just happens out of our yeah, control. It does, yeah. mm-hmm. If you stub your toe, it's not shit. I've stubbed my toe. I really need to um, get better at squats, you know, or need to sort out my posture, etc. It's just shit happens. It was like Leon's just said there. A kettlebell snatch is dangerous if you're wearing a watch. Well, yeah, I mean, that's not the snatch's fault. That's Financially, because, yes. That's because you're wearing a watch. Yeah, well, it's a watch wear, mate. Might have a little... <laughs> Do you know what? I have gone through uh, a couple of uh, cheap Casios from when I used to do my kettlebells. Mm. I'll control you, anyway. Yeah. So I'll read some more of these flip boxes. It round. You've got to flip it round. God, mate, this is real. So I've got Olympic lifts. Oh, really? I've got two for deadlifts. I've got historically conventional deadlifts and straight bar deads. Now, I sent you a response to this, didn't I? If you remember. Yes. And we'll read it. Um, we can go through it now a little bit, actually. I asked this person, so when they actually said straight bar deadlifts, I asked for more context because I was thinking, well, I need more than just that. I don't want to start hammering into someone because of what they've said. Um, and this is this is their response. So I quote, this isn't always the case, of course, but I am an advocate for trap bar versus straight if incorporating deadlifts. For me, it's primarily due to injury risks and also the barely visible carryover to my training. I can get a stronger lower back with squats, KB swings, carries, and some GHDs. Many people don't perform deadlifts properly also, and personally, I feel more neutral with the trap bar and carryover is better. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Tom? <laughs> <laughs> um, where do I begin? Um, first of all, like both are totally legitimate exercises. If you prefer the trap bar deadlift, that's cool. If you prefer the straight bar deadlift, that's cool as well. Um, I don't really see any evidence to say one is more safer than the other. I do think, depending on someone's job, one can, yes, probably have more carryover than the other. Uh, in fact, I know in, in well, in, in the army, isn't it? Like a soldier conditioning review, they use a trap bar deadlift because it's supposed to simulate, well, picking some something up with that neutral grip, like jerry can pickups, etc. Mm. You know, picking up cases of ammunition, etc you don't really do that from that you know double overhand position do you you know if you picked up a jerry can that way you're just a yeah a mong um <laughs> yeah but i mean don't think one is more inherently dangerous than the other however saying that i do think naturally and i'm i'm talking from my own anecdotal experience here it does seem easier to teach people to trap bar deadlift probably because straight away you're in the center of that bar the way you stand in it so straight away you're centered. Whereas with a straight bar for a complete beginner, 
you know, it can be a bit harder trying to get them to center the bar, you know, over their feet, etc. Whereas with the trap bar, it's automatically it's automatic because you literally stand in the center of it. So people might be able to like get their center of gravity a little bit better. You're literally keeping the bar close to you with the trap bar because you're in the center of it. Mm-hmm. Whereas with a straight bar, that if you've got to learn how to engage the lats, you know, how to keep the bar close to it you. It doesn't mean the straight bar is necessarily more dangerous though, does it? I think it's easier to coach. Mm, easier to coach, yeah. Yeah, but I don't think that really crosses over. I think over it depends on what you more. said there, specificity. It depends on what your goal is. Yeah. Like, for example, you said the military there, it makes sense. But in a CrossFit setting, you'd rather do a straight bar deadlift because you're going to want to transfer that over to a clean. Yeah. You're not going, you don't clean a trap bar. You know, when you lift up a trap bar, you don't, you know, it doesn't work. But I don't really see any evidence. I've not really seen any evidence to say that one is more safer than the other, you know. And I don't even have a hypothesis as to why one would be more safer than the other. Mm. Just one might be a little bit more easier to do as a newbie compared to you know yeah actually just getting injured from one or the other but yeah if you want a trap bar deadlift trap bar deadlift if you want to go for straight bar deadlift go for straight bar deadlift in regards to neutral i mean this is going down a bit of a rabbit hole but chances are you're probably not completely neutral anyway we've got we're going to there's a paper yeah we've got a paper on that yeah we're going to you got a paper yeah. on that yeah i've got a paper. we'll go for it later because it's part of the bent back we'll back go situation. through it but yeah, we'll spoiler alert anyway and that is that you know it's almost impossible to be neutral yeah. when you do that hip hinge anyway get into a deadlift position you know you can think you're neutral but you're not there's always some form of spinal flexion and let's just say because of course it is me your spine was flexing during a deadlift anyway and out of a neutral range. So what? As long as it's a load you can carry, your you know, as long as it's a load that you you have capacity to handle at the time, it's okay for your back to bend. It's okay for your back to bend. If we suddenly start worrying about our backs bending and breaking just because they're going into flexion during a deadlift, then we've suddenly got to start worrying about strongmen doing at the stone carries. Or picking fins up at work, etc. Times where we probably are going to be hunched over. Don't don't fear spinal flexion. It's it's not the big boogeyman that most influencers promote it as. I think one of the episodes we did, uh, what what was it on the Myth series, isn't it? It was I can't remember the link. I think it was chatshitgetfit.com slash I want to say form dash posture. Yeah, uh, it's in the Myth series anyway. So if you go onto the website, you'll see the the Myth series. You can go listen to it. But we did that. We pretty much broke down everything about form, technique, and posture, and about the myths around it. That. So that's quite a good one to go listen to. If you ever got any concerns on that, kind of like reiterate the conclusion we had on that episode. This isn't me saying that oh you should be flexing, but it's me saying that if you do go into flexion, it's probably not big, not that big a deal in regards to the context of causing injury or pain. But obviously, if the if the, you want to be hitting your glutes and hitting your hamstrings as is most most of the point of doing like a, a hinge hip movement anyway then yeah you probably want to maintain as flat a back as possible so that the movement is coming from the hips and the hamstrings rather than a lot of the movement getting wasted on you know trying to uncurl your curved back afterwards yeah mm. but from a context point of view of injury and pain i, I wouldn't worry about it too much yeah, fair enough. Yeah, I think we've answered. I think we've, we've, we've tackled that one. Uh, Leon just made a comment there. Zerka deadlifts are terrifying. I'd say they could be dangerous. Zerka deadlifts. Zerka deadlifts are. It's where you have the bar in the nook yeah, in of the, your yeah. elbow. You'd recognise it if you saw yeah, it. Yeah, I've reckon, I've done it. I've done it in a front squat before, like a walking or something. It's quite. It's pretty yeah. uncomfortable. It's not very nice. Yeah, I I don't like the idea of them just because like they look a bit uncomfortable and I have no reason to do them. But once again, I don't think that they're any more inherently injury causing any other yeah, exercise but they're not very, I, I don't think many people would do them they're not very comfortable do you know what 
I see them a lot in more car, strongman setting, etc. Mm, okay, that makes that makes sense. Yeah, that does yeah. make sense. Yeah. So specificity is basically what we're saying, isn't it? Specificity. Yeah. Or if someone enjoys them. Yeah. Someone if enjoys you enjoy them, them crack on. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. It's about adapting, remember. We'll move on. So if them polls didn't give away, we are going to be talking about a, you know, a, a set amount of exercises, but they are obviously linked to certain body parts, which we're going to go into about if they're bad for these certain body parts. So if you follow anyone in the past, called, for example, we're going to give you a name, Jeff Cavalier. I think that's how you pronounce his name. Is that how you pronounce his name, is it? Yeah, Jeff Cavalier. Yeah, so he's he's from Athlete X, if you're not aware. Um, and he's got very nocebic-style content, and that means that it's very like negative and it can basically put you off. And he'll do videos like, don't do these five exercises Worst five exercises for your back. Worst five exercises for your shoulders, whatever. Uh, and it, as we said, it's quite nocebic. Yeah. And he still does it. I mean, I think he did one quite recently. So what we want to do is oh, we're going to look the at the time. evidence. We're going to look at the actual evidence to see what he's saying, okay? Because so the problem is he's got about 2 million followers, whatever it is, on it, on YouTube, for example. Um, um, and the stuff he says is not really backed by evidence, is it, if we're being honest? It's actually got to the point now where because he does have such a big following and he has become such a character that he's actually seen as like a, a point of authority now for stuff yeah, like exactly. this. So if you could be Johnny Nobody and you could post just a lovely little picture of you, a picture, well, yeah, picture or video of you in the gym doing upright rows and you're at a high risk of someone commenting underneath that's going to wreck your shoulders, bro. And you can comment and go, well, why'd you say that? And suddenly before you know it, you're getting, you know, t- Athlean X tagged in. I like, check out Athlean X. He talks about it. The problem with people like Jeff Cavalier is that they're extremely mechanistic. They go off of a biomechanical model where they just assume that, well, technically, hypothetically, because this happens, it's bad for you. But then when we actually look at, you know, in vivo data, where like we're actually in actual human beings, this doesn't seem to be the case. Mm-hmm. Mechanistically, I can explain anything the way I want it to be through biomechanics. I can make anything sound dangerous just by speaking in terms of bio, just just being pure biomechanical. However, it's real life doesn't work that way. Real life doesn't know exactly. Real life uh, doesn't work that way. I think so. We'll start with the big one that people will probably be quite familiar with, and that is the whole thing of shoulder impingements. Now, this is quite brought up quite a lot when it comes to the upright row, as uh, me and Tom mentioned to start that, and the behind the neck. Uh, shoulder press so i'll read out what the nhs so the national health service here in the uk classes as shoulder impingement so it's a very common cause of shoulder pain where a tendon band of tissue inside your shoulder rubs or catches on nearby tissue and bone as you lift your arm so as you can see there as tom said from a mechanical point of view as you lift your arm so everything gets squished so you can see the link there where people are making so it doesn't sound great at all um this is basically why that you know movements like the upright row uh, do get attacked i want to make a point uh, sort of a, a, note, a note here almost because people can like straw man it is if you have already got shoulder pain or you know you've you've had a history of shoulder pain doing things like the upright row could potentially cause you discomfort but then you can oh, yeah. say that you could say about anything about any exercise it's about any exercise if you've got a previous injury somewhere or you are currently got pain somewhere the chance of you're doing a movement which uses the, the muscles around it, you're going to feel some pain. Let's also consider the psychosocial aspects. If you're about to do, a, if you do a movement that you're expecting to hurt, yeah, you've already changed your perception to that exercise. You're now adding a lot of noise for your alarm system, aka pain, to go off of. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you know what? Um, when we had the, the no bullshit physio on the podcast, there was a study he mentioned, and it it's, it's been stuck in my head since. But it was the 
Was it? Is it the, the Christmas song by Bing Crosby? It was a study. It was a study it? involving that, the Christmas song by Bing Crosby, where they told people, "Oh yeah, you I'm know, gonna know yeah, yeah, yeah. you're going to go into a sound room, and we're going to play." You know, is it White Christmas? Yeah, we're going to so, play yeah. White Christmas uh, through the headset. You press the button whenever you hear the song playing through the white noise, through the static, and loads of people were like hitting the button left, right, and centre. But never once did they play the song. They never actually played it. But because people were expecting it, it changed their perception, and they were expecting to hear it. So things like the upright road, the, the human mind is a very, very strange thing. It's a very strange thing. Yeah. We're not saying that you're not finding it painful because if you find something painful, the upright road, and you're finding it painful, and no one can tell you otherwise, pain is a very su- subjective experience personalised to you. However, it's what might not help is that someone is kind of yeah, making you expect you pain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they've given that nocebic no, no narrative. For example, I've got another one here, Tom, which I read, and I'll read it out again. This is quite interesting. So, uh, I think it was actually on MyProtein, the actual website, fucking classic. So, they said, the concern of the upright row is that it closes or reduces the distance of the acromyoclavicular joint where the tendon of the supraspinitis muscle passes. I think I said that right. Reduction of this joint yeah. space as associated with the upright barbell row can result in a pinching of this tendon resulting in pain, irritation and inflammation. So basically what they're trying to say is is that by reducing the space within the joint we're causing rotator cuff damage um, and that's what leads to pain, weakness, all, all those buzzwords, yeah. Yeah. But the problem is, is that actually the case? Well, according to the evidence, no. Um, I think Tommy actually shared one to do with that earlier. So I've actually, I'll read out this paper here. So we've got a systematic review and major analysis from Park et al. 2020 um, and it found that the size of the space, so that whole fucking thing he was talking about there about reducing the space you do like an upright row is, uh, is not any difference in those with or without shoulder pain and that increasing the size of this space has no correlation with improvements in shoulder pain or function. Basically, the space is irrelevant. Yeah, there's actually a um, there's actually the argument being made that we should just get rid of the term shoulder impingement, mm-hmm. that it's not very helpful. Tom, I could also look at some data here in regards to the acro menial shape and now this is obviously an audio podcast so i can't actually show you pictures of stuff but what we've got is we've got three general shapes i don't know if tom's got something he can show us um basically one's flat one's curved and one's hook oh, has you got out have you got one now keep talking while i try and find something while you try and find it yeah so as i said one's flat one's curved one hooked um and if you were to look at them hopefully tom will show it for our twitch users but if you looked at the hooked one you would basically um sort of assume that that would cause more things like shoulder impingement because of the fact that it's hooked right over and it's going to be closer. But once again, the data does not show that there's any difference between any three of them in terms of occurrence of shoulder impingement. Which is problematic as well because there's a lot of surgeries that go on in regards mm. to uh, you know reducing that bony spur, so to speak. Did you see the papers on that though, about the surgery, how it's all just bullshit? Like, didn't they do placebo surgery? Did yeah. Do you see the papers? Do you know what? That still shocks me that there's such a thing as placebo surgery. Placebo, I was like, well, act- I had to read it. I was like, what's going on here? They actually put people under sleep. Yeah. You know, they fuck off for a cost of coffee, <laughs> come yeah, back. Covered. By the time the person's wake up, they go, yeah, we just performed surgery on you. Oh, really? I feel so much better. Mm. It's like, it's, it's absolutely insane. That's even a fin. However, it's fascinating because once again, we're changing people's perceptions, mm-hmm. yeah. you know? And I think both these papers, I think there was two papers on the surgery thing, showed that surgery had no impact on their levels of like pain and stuff when it comes to things like shoulder impingement, uh, yeah. which is worrying that people are still being pushed for surgery um, when it seems to be not the case that it's actually doing anything, which yeah, is, is quite worrying. Not from yeah. a health standpoint, but from a financial standpoint as well, isn't it? It's not cheap, is it, surgery? So. Yeah. And it doesn't actually solve the problem, you know? Yeah. 
Exactly. Sometimes you can't even properly solve the problem. I mean, it's quite unrealistic to be pain-free. I think it's more realistic to kind of expect pain. We're always going to have pain. You know, oh God, I sound really fucking gothic now. But, you know, we're going to have painful experiences. I think it's more realistic to set our expectations of how much pain we have the capacity to deal with and building that capacity. Yeah. Which is one of the reasons why I actually do upright rows. I do it because I want to build that tolerance and capacity so that I was, without naming names, they are a podcast listener, but they hurt their shoulder the other day by washing their hair. <laughs> oh, really? Wow. And I think they said something like they threw a towel over their shoulder or something along those it wasn't lines. wasn't fun, was it? It's always fun. No, no, fun, it, it wasn't fun. No? Um, <laughs> I, I know for a fact Fern doesn't wash her hair. <laughs> I'm patiently waiting for her response now. No, I'm only joking, Fern. Um, I'm seeing her tomorrow, so I've got to behave myself, actually. Um, but yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I I want to build my tolerance, and that's why I do movements like upright rows, is because I want to get used to these movements. I want to build a capacity. So if I have to throw a rock at someone, you know, I'm not going to go, oh, that was painful. Back to upright row, Tom. Uh, we've got more data, mate. There's actually, there's data absolutely flying about it. So this is why it pisses me off that there's still this negative um, narrative towards this movement. So if we, we've also got something about it's about listed, if you lift your arms past 90 degrees, like you don't, you don't want to go further because yes. you'll get issues again. But we've actually got data, which is just mind blowing. It shows that if this was a thing, we'd be worried about shoulder impingement at 40 degrees. It shows that the whole mechanical stuff they're talking about that happens would happen at 40 degrees. So if, if people, the people who are saying yeah. there's that wrong shoulder impingement, you shouldn't be lifting your arms at all, basically. Stop lifting your arms. Well, this is the the kind the message I kind of got over the years was that originally we shouldn't do upright rows at all. Mm-hmm. And then it should be, oh, we should only do it to ban on 90 degrees. Yeah. Anything above that is a danger zone. Danger zone, yeah. Obviously, I've evolved well beyond that now. And then you've got a thing that's kind of about uh, internal rotation. Like, yeah, don't worry. That's yeah, that, that happens at 40 normal. degrees. Yeah. Literally up to 40. Like if you, you can't help that. We move our arms all the time. So if I'm literally just doing that, yeah. okay, brilliant. I've got shoulder impingement now, have I? Just by like, literally lifting my arms. I don't. It's ridiculous, isn't it? Like, it is ridiculous. We're not saying that you can't get hurt, but it's not the inherent movement itself. Pain and injury can be caused by all sorts, as we said. Um, I also want to quickly just summarise Tom on behind the neck presses. So we'll, we'll put you know upright rows, fine, leave them alone. They're not bad. They're great. Okay. Uh, but behind the neck press is a little bit more nuance to it. So um, basically, it's a movement that does require full range of motion. So what that means is, mm. is that uh, yeah. if you lack if you lack mobility or you have previous shoulder issues, it's probably not the wisest to be like doing it if you don't really need to. It does have its place in a specific sort of environment, but if you're lacking the mobility, it can be quite awkward to get into. I'm not saying it's like in, it's not going to fuck you up the movement. It's because you just lack that mobility to get there, essentially. It's like, um, Tom, you wouldn't try the splits if you didn't have the mobility to do the splits, would you? Like, you wouldn't. Oh, hurt. God, no. This is the same God, thing. No. Like, if you haven't got the Don't mobility. Don't get me wrong. I would find an entry point. Yeah, an entry point. To, yeah, you know, yeah. which wouldn't be very fucking a lot, to be honest with you. <laughs> but. Um, you know, like I'd find. Do you get what I'm trying to say, though? You don't go straight yeah. into it without. Like, I wouldn't go straight behind my neck press if I had shit mobility and start trying to push it above me out of nowhere. You know, it wouldn't. I think, um, you know, for some people, like it might not be a. As you said, it does require a fair bit of mobility. Mm. Now, I might just be able to pick someone off the street who's never done it before, but they've just so happen to have the mobility to do it. Yeah, they could do it. Yeah, yeah. And if exactly. that's the case, I'd be like, okay, cool. Yeah, let's. It's do not a dangerous it. movement inherently. There's nothing yeah, wrong with it. You no. can do it. If I got someone they ain't quite got that range of motion. If you want to attempt doing it and like we do it to a point where you've got just enough range of motion because you can acutely increase your range of motion by practicing the movement itself anyway. Mm-hmm. I have people who, as they ramp up to their first RPE6, their squats are super high. But I don't pull out the bands or I don't do the whole I'll earn the right. I just, I just, I just say like, look, just keep doing the movement. Eventually you're going to squat deeper. 
get warm. Yeah, you warm up into it. So you it. might be able to find that with a behind the neck press. Um, once again, it's not an exercise I'm a personal fan of because I have no need for it. But I do think it's a legitimate exercise. If someone wants to do it just because they want to, once again, I have no issue with that. But just like any other ish, uh, exercise, load management is key. Doing something that you have the capacity for and slowly building it up over time. Don't try and just one rep max your fucking, you know, mm. behind the neck press yeah. after a shit nights of sleep, yeah, etc. Exactly. Yeah, wouldn't recommend it. Leon just made a point, which is very simple. He's mentioned the SOTS press. Is it more dangerous due to the grip width and body position? So SOTS press is basically, it's behind the neck push pre- uh, press again, sorry, but you're squatting down. So you're in the bottom of a squat. So you go to the bottom of a squat with the pipe or bar on your back and then you try and push it above your head. And well, that's the same. I think it's the same for that. It just requires a lot yeah. of mobility. That requires a hell of a lot of mobility. And if you haven't got it, it's obviously more difficult. Like it's not- Fair bit of balance. <laughs> yeah, fair bit of balance, but it's not going to mess you If you're you able to do it, mm. crack on. Yeah. Crack on. The thing is, like, the key pattern here, and I'm pretty much going to spoil the whole episode, but, you know, it needs to be said, and that is the key point is is that there is no such thing as a bad movement or a bad exercise. The key is load management, and that is not doing too much too soon. I mean, we look at a position like, uh, say, like Scott's Press, et cetera. It looks weird. Our body's contorting in weird and different ways. It's very difficult to do. But no one ever loses their minds when they see a contortionist or circus performer moving their arms or their body in general in very, very horrendous ways. And now if someone can make the argument with that and say, yeah, but they ain't got a barbell on their back, completely fair point. But it's almost like you're now telling me that it's not the movement itself, but it's the load they placed on themselves, you know. Mm Would the gymnast be at any more risk if they had a shopping bag of groceries on their back as they was contorting themselves? No? Okay, what if there was now a dumbbell on their back as they was bending themselves? You know, it's load is load in the day. Whether it be gym equipment or something heavy, load is load. And it's about moving within your capacity and slowly progressing or regressing as need be. There's no inherently one bad movement. Yeah, and we'll just replay that bit at the end of the episode. Yeah, we'll just keep playing it over and over again. I think we did talk about that anyway. So uh, we'll move on from the shoulders, though. We'll move on to the back because the back seems to be a very common area in terms of uh, injuries. So we're looking at exercises like good mornings, Jefferson curls. Um, and even the back, we're even looking at things like the sit-up. Now, I was I didn't even think of the sit-up before we went into this episode, but when I was doing some research on it, I came across a YouTube channel called Bob and Brad. And fuck me, oh, these fuck. two old guys <laughs> are the most... They're outrageous physios, right? Yeah. Uh, and they were they were saying ten exercises you should you should never do. And when they said the sit up, I nearly lost my fucking shit. I was like, what are they on about? Because you can imagine the sit up, you're on your back, and then you you curl up, and apparently you're putting loads of stress on the spine. Yeah, this doesn't surprise me at all, mate. And um, to be fair, I'm I'm more surprised that you're surprised, and you know where this stems from, don't you? It yeah, stems yeah. from this fear around flexion and extension. Flexion of the spear, yeah. mm-hmm. you know. And once again. Oh, it's my boy, Stu McGill. Stu McGill. And uh, yeah, it was when they research on dead animal spines going through lots, and I mean fucking lots of cycles of flexion and extension. So it feels like I'm constantly repeating this, but Stu McGill was the researcher that kind of, his research is the inherent fear, but the original fear behind like, you know, things like sit-ups and deadlifts, et cetera, et cetera. Well, didn't he have, that- if we rewind a bit, didn't he have like quite a good stem of research where he, he became quite an authority in terms of spine and then do you he know what? lost it a bit. That was kind of, that's why he got such a... Yeah, do you know what? He did a, he did a lot for spine biomechanics. Mm. 
He did a lot. But the thing is, is he took he took his uh, two plus two and he started spouting off seven. Yeah, yeah, sure, yeah. Sure. So it was great. Like he put these uh, dead pig spines, or it turns out it wasn't even pig spines; it was something yeah, else. It was a goat. Was it goat? Was it goat or something? Or, what, or, so uh, no bullshit physio, was. wasn't it? Alexis, he came on and said it was more. Uh, but he put it in this machine that flexed the spine back and forth. It was thousands of times, thousands and thousands of times, and eventually the the spine broke. And because of that, people thought, "Holy shit, that's really bad for us." Couple of things about that, though. One. They just grabbed the spine out of nowhere and put it through thousands and thousands of cycles of flexion and extension. How many of you guys are doing like, yeah, like 30,000 sit-ups in a single session, etc.? Yes, Another thing, cadaver research is not as good at crossing over into human research, well, alive research, because as alive beings, living beings, we can adapt over time. Something that is dead doesn't adapt. As organic beings, we have this awesome ability to adapt to stress, we get stronger over time. We're not cars, despite what fucking some people say. We are not cars. If a car tire gets punctured, the car is fucked until someone replaces that tire. <laughs> the car is fucked. You know, it's true though. Tires, but the absolute- if I break my foot, yeah, no one needs to replace that for me. Over time, that will heal. If I picked up something very, very heavy and it was too heavy for me that I couldn't do, I couldn't pick up over my head five times. Eventually, I would be able to do that because I can adapt to it over time. The body adapts, and it's the same with spines. The spine mm-hmm. adapts, the muscle surrounding the spine adapts, the vertebrae adapts, ligaments adapt, tendons adapt, everything in a human body adapts. So you might be able to only have the capacity to do 10 sit-ups or crunches, but then over time, you can adapt to do 15, 20, 30, 32, 32 and a half, 50, 100, 1,000, the body has this insane ability to adapt. I've got one problem with what you're saying, though, Tom. One one problem is you're saying that we adapt when we do more, yeah? Yes. So, so what I want to know is why for the last 18 months you've been stuck at a 60 kilo deadlift if the body adapts so well? Why, why, have, you, why, have, you, why have you been stuck? Do you know what? I had the- to fucking mention that to someone today. <laughs> <laughs> well, they said we're probably going to Actually, oh, shit. No, so, someone that listens to our look. podcast um, came up to me today and uh, you know, I like I had to say, look, just so you know, the sixty k thing, it's a lie. I can pick up more than that. I don't know, yeah, mate. Absolutely. I'll let, the, I'll let the listeners decide who they want to believe on this one, but yeah, I should probably start recording my training. <laughs> are you going to listen to the guy who comes out of conspiracies every week, or are you going to listen to me, the more sensible one, who's telling who's telling the truth? All I'm saying yeah. is, Tom is still stuck on sixty kilos. Eighteen months later, that's all I'm going to say. If I go beyond that, I'm just going to snap in half because it goes against my yeah. my mechanical blueprint. So yeah, to speak. mechanical blueprint. Yeah. I just want to make a quick point clear before we move on to some more data and stuff about the backs. Is that it's pretty clear now that any exercise over no exercise is best is actually really good for our backs. And yeah. This is where this is where this whole problem stems from. Is that the narrative of scaring people away from doing any sort of flexion is actually really harmful because any sort of movement on the back is actually better for us regardless of how you're doing it yeah the funny thing is like there's even um <laughs> there's even papers now you know like the whole like when you go into your work staff room and they have the health and safety pick, uh, posters of how to pick things up how to pick things up correctly lift with your leg legs never with your back and um, we actually have those in my staff room which is ironic because i live i work in a fucking gym and they're telling me how room. to prop yeah and they're telling us how to properly pick things up if it's over 10 kilos you know 
Don't make a fucking joke, by the way, Bill. I was, about to, I was literally about to say, could you, could you yeah, in say more than 60? They pull that in there for my benefit. Yeah. <laughs> I'm on the poster. It's me. Yeah. I am on the poster. If you see this man um, to lift anything, help him. <laughs> but yeah, like, um, there, you know, there's actual current evidence to suggest that everything we was taught about manual handling in regards to, yeah, lift with your legs, not with your back. We, and we how started to lift. that paper. We did it on the, the form episode. We started it. It should, be in the, it should be in there somewhere. I don't know exactly where it is, but it's def- we definitely I might actually it. share it afterwards. Yeah, I might share worth. it afterwards. It's good paper. Um, it's good paper. But it's absolutely insane that, yeah, there's even research combating this narrative now of how to do manual handling at work but yeah listen the spine is an extremely resilient fin you know and it does adapt do you know what i said about how some exercise is better than no exercise for like back health and stuff i actually did a paper on this it's quite a new one for 2021 and it looked at discs uh looked at all the, uh, the discs in the back in young athletes who played various sports at a high level for five years so quite a long time uh, they com- they compared these uh, athletes to a age match control group who did less than three days of exercise a week. Now, what's interesting about that is straight away is that because the control group was less than three days, that means that some of them could be doing two days of exercise a week, and that would be classed as the n- non-active group, right? Which means that these results could actually be more impressive if they actually compared them to people who did no exercise, because the control yeah. group could st- even doing two days a week is actually really good for you, like good for your, your spine yeah. health. So this paper obviously the results could be more dramatic but basically what this data showed was that the young athletes had thicker more hydrated discs than the non-athletes but as i said the non-athletes were still doing two days so mm-hmm. essentially if we had the people who were doing no activity the athletes would look incredible and this is various sports this is just one sport this is all sorts of sports so it shows you that all these different activities all this different way of moving is essentially better for your back health yeah and these are athletes yeah. they're doing it quite a lot of it as well quite a good amount of volume it's almost like adaptations are occurring it actually shocks like particularly people that are new to training with me exercise is stress it is stress but stress is not an inherently bad thing it depends on what context you know stress is what causes us to adapt it's a way for the body to think okay something's happening here and for us to kind of like survive this, we need to adapt to it. It's like the whole porridge thing, isn't it? Too cold, too hot, whatever thing. Just, just right. But it's if fine. No, if that no, yeah, if you have no stress at all, you're not really going to grow or develop. If you have, yeah. if you have too much stress, you're going to burn out or you're going to hurt yourself. But you have that just about enough stress, you're going to be in that good sweet yeah. spot where you can grow, you can develop as a person, whatever it is you're, whatever it is you're doing. So yeah, stress is is important. Exactly. Uh, I mean, it's gradual. It's not something that is always rapid. I mean, sometimes you can have acute, you know, adaptations, but like. Let's talk about mobility and stuff like warming up, etc. Well, it's not really an adaptation, but um, <laughs> but yeah, like my my favorite example is the story of Milo Croton. Have you ever heard of Milo Croton? I've heard of Milo, yeah, I've heard of it, but I was waiting so for you to tell the story. Tom. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> it's mythology, basically, where it was a Greek guy who he had a I think it was a baby cow, so it was a calf. And every day he would pick it up and walk around his farm with it. And he would do it every day. So as the cow got, so as the calf got older, it got bigger. So it's progressive overload. Every day, these small incremental increases in weight, Milo would pick it up and that's progressive overload. So as the cow got bigger, eventually Milo was carrying a ball on his shoulders because he adapted over Mm. time. He adapted over time. Because I think we've mentioned that story before, actually. It's very interesting. Good story. Yeah. Very good to press over. Anyway. We, uh, we move on to Jefferson Curls, Tom, because this is the one about spine flexion, which you spoke about. And uh, we're actually going to cite a paper now because uh, to do that whole flexion thing. Tom mentioned it earlier about the neutral thing. So 
basically what we said earlier was that spinal flexion is pretty much inevitable uh whatever some people might try and tell you about the whole nutrient thing we've got a paper from 2021 here it's from how l and lemon g okay and oh, basically greg layman yeah greg layman you can't yeah. mispronounce greg my boy greg greg layman uh, <laughs> um has been a massive influence on me in regards to the the pain science field okay um, cool Really awesome guy, really nice guy, a massive critical thinker. He's one of those people where he taught me about the steel man argument. See, I don't, I don't even know if he's been sarcastic. At one point, I was thinking, hang on, is he, is he being sarcastic? Greg like, Layman yeah, is fantastic. Yeah. He actually does a podcast with Adam Meekins as well. Yeah, okay, um, nice. Massive advocate for flexion. But what I like about Greg Layman is, so we know what the straw man argument is. The straw man argument is someone basically... They try to say that you're saying something that you never even claimed in the first place just so that it makes your argument easier to do, to destroy. So they put words in your mouth, basically. So, for example, I'm saying, look, flexion's not bad. Someone might come along and straw man me and say that you're saying that everyone should flex their spine on a deadlift. And that's not what I'm saying at all. I'm just saying it's okay if that does happen. But Greg Lehman once said, oh, he likes to steal man people. If someone says something that he does not quite agree with, he purposely tries to, in his head defend their argument or point of view so almost like he builds up the argument that he disagrees with because it helps with his critical thinking skills you know from there he tries to understand where they're coming from where they're what they're saying and then whether his criticisms still hold up even though he's purposely trying to defend their argument and i really like that yeah that takes that takes quite a lot of doing that that's quite a still it's hard to do when someone says something that is quite obviously full of shit yeah. yeah, yeah, that's kind of yeah. Didn't he? Was wasn't he on a? Uh, didn't he do a podcast with that Australian um, geezer? Yes, big, big, uh, Andrew Lock. Yeah, yeah, Andrew said Lock. Yeah, didn't he? I'm, God, I'm that was awful that, yeah. to watch. Poor Greg. Yeah, it was pretty. Oh, God, it was because he that's was just the closest like, I've ever seen to him like losing his shit, and he's the most chilled out gal. Uh, chilled out gal. Chilled out guy. Sorry. It was laughable when I was watching that. I was like, what is going on here? I was like, this guy is just saying absolute shit. Yeah. And Greg's just like, what is going What He didn't even want to say. He looked, he looked shocked. He was like, is this guy actually he, just said yeah. that? <laughs> I felt so sorry for him. Like, he did not fucking What did he say? Was, did he make guy. a statement about a specific lower back pain or something? Well, he started uh, talking about cert- this Andrew Locke guy started s- s- mentioning certain research papers. And then Greg said, oh, yeah, but in that same guy's research paper, in his updated version, he's actually now gone back on what he originally said. And Andrew Locke was just like, Oh, I never read his recent research. It's like, well, considering the guy who you're citing then went and changed his mind, it's probably important you go back and read yeah, that. Pretty, yeah, it's good. Absolute fucking, fucking bell fronk. Anyway, really back, to that 2020, back to that 2021 paper, Tom. Basically, these guys are big Greg as a... As a Thomas called him. They basically said, well, it appears lumbar spine flexion is unavoidable and only partially modifiable. So... Make mm. that what you will. But basically, if someone's moving the way they're moving, yes, you can make some tweaks, but in terms of spinal flexion, mm. there's only so much you can really do. As much as you as much as you really want to, there's only so much you can do. I'll ignore that bit. My printer had a nightmare. Cool. That's irrelevant. <laughs> so, but, so, but it's probably best I don't read it. So, apparently Mr. Jeff Cavalier made a statement about good mornings. Uh yeah, we can ignore all that. Yeah, we can ignore, ignore that, anything yeah. Jeff Cavalier yeah, says. Just the thing about Athlete Next is he is a great speaker. He's a great communicator. He's a great speaker. It's just that the stuff he's saying is full of shit. Um, Some of his exercise selections are pretty cool and fun, actually. Mm. I think some of the variations are pretty, you know, cool. Mate, people have actually said some of his training programs are actually pretty good. Like some of the stuff he puts out. Oh, I've heard the complete opposite. Oh, yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's not not positive. Some of it's mixed. I mean, I know he got called called out. There was a a meme account years ago called... I can't remember what it was called. Not that long ago, actually. I think it was during COVID where... Someone released one of Jeff Cavalier's programs. It was like um, 
GVT, so German Volume Training, oh, which I don't recommend for most people anyway. No. Uh, that has definitely got to be, and is it bad for your episode, by the way, German Volume Training? Yeah, GVT, yeah. yeah. I already know the paper, Brad, Brad Schoenfield's paper, isn't it? That one. Yeah. That, yeah, yeah. Uh, doing it at 80% of your one rep max. Doing 10 Ooh, sets 80%? of 10 reps at 80% of your one, one rep max will fucking kill you. You want me to fin- no, mate, no one's finishing that. No one is actually finishing that. No it chance. It will kill you. Well, mate, no like, one's doing that. that. If you can finish that, that mate, you're not doing 80%. You. You're not doing 80% if you finish that. Not a chance. Not a chance. That is absolutely ridiculous. That's outrageous. Absolutely way, ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. We'll move on from Jeff anyway. We'll move on from Jeff. Uh, as I said, I mentioned the sit-ups as well. That's to do with the excessive flexion. Uh, but basically what, what, what we're trying to get here is what me and Tom are actually getting really irritated with is, is, the, is the negativity, the negativity of the narrative, basically the nocebic thing. And I've actually got some real grade A nocebic content, as I've coined it. Oh, um, yeah. And this is Tom, you're going to love all this, mate. So I'm going to read these out, guys. So bear with me. I've got Brian Jimenez, fitness coach and certified stretch therapist at livestrong.com. And he (sighs) says sit-ups. He says sit-ups, unfortunately and justifiably, get a bad rap. Traditionally, the movement is done for high repetitions and speed. Jimenez explains, noting that this can lead to poor technique and thus injury. Sit-ups aren't all bad, though. Like all exercises, what matters most is your form. And then next one. This is this is another person now. The same same sort of line of uh, question though. When performed correctly, sit-ups do offer some functionality and can help improve your core strength, says Kaylee Crawford, CPT and Director of Education at Rowe House. But when performed poorly, you risk hurting your spine without much payoff in terms of strength or other fitness improvements. Got another one here, guys. Part of the reason why sit-ups have a bad reputation is because of the emphasis on spinal flexion or bending or hunching forward. Excessive spinal flexion is known to put stress on the spine and cause back injuries. And this is something called Club Charles Fitzgerald. No. <laughs> Do I even need to say it, Bill? I, if you're not if you're not watching this on Twitter, I'm going to have to put this clip on YouTube because it's that right. But no, if you're not, all I'm going to say is we live in a society, right? That's all Bill, I'm say. you know, next time I come on the podcast... Yeah, and you introduce me as the Joker. This is this. That's actually terrifying. That is actually quite that's terrifying. Pretty cool, actually. Clean's loving that. that. That was very good. I love the way <laughs> you slowly. Ca- as I was reading, mate, I'm not even finished, mate. I'm not even finished. I've got one more here, Tom. I don't know if you want to keep the Joker out. Sit-ups can reinforce bad posture if you're performing sit-ups with poor technique. There's a chance it will follow you outside the gym. <laughs> oh, oh shit! It's the wrong one. <laughs> it's <a> cat. <laughs> we live in a society. <laughs> That's brilliant. That is actually brilliant. <laughs> yes, Tom, you are right in what you're saying. Those quotes were outrageous. Yeah. Um, do you know what? <laughs> Brandolini's Law, the amount of work we've got to do to disprove bullshit is fucking it's incredible. It's high it's frust- effort. It's, it's frustrating. So, uh, Brian Jimmy, or whatever his name is, uh, <laughs> Brian, Brian, yeah, Brian Jimenez, you know, after all that word salad, I would just simply ask, "Which citation?" Yeah, which citations? Yeah, you know, show me the research. And these are, these are supposed to be fresh. This, 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 this noise, these are supposed to be authorities. These are yeah. on, these are on fitness web health and fitness websites. Supposed to be authorities giving their sort of their you know expert advice on topics, and all they're doing is spouting nocebic content, which is basically saying that people read that and think, "Oh, if I don't do a setup properly, I'm going to fuck back up." A sit up, a fucking sit up. Mm. You know what I mean? It's not even. I have all the exercises. Yeah, I'm I'm done. Do you know what? uh, I have heard quite a lot of military people say, yeah, sit ups like fucked me up, really fucked me up. And then in the back of my mind, I'm kind of like, I think there might have been other factors. Probably that, you know, PTIs are notorious for going to RPE full send, probably the lack of sleep. Yeah, you know, the amount of fucking fish kilos in your back. 
Yeah. yeah. 50 kilos on your back. Build up. No build up. Just no build up whatsoever. Yeah. RP 10 on everything. But now, mate, it's the, it's the two minutes of setups and the PFA which has done your back in, isn't it? It's because we're fragile and we're not doing our um, bird dogs. Yeah. yeah, that's what it is, mate. A tactical bird dogs. So we're doing, yeah, fucking night. Anyway, we'll move on from the back. Basically, summarise that quickly there. Spinal flexion, do not fear it, okay? As we're going to conclude it at the end probably as well, it's all about load management, okay? You should mm. not fear loading your spine. Loading your spine is actually the best thing you can do. It's about just doing it gradually and not acutely, okay? So chronically versus acute, right? Uh, we'll move on, though, to the next one, Tom. And this one gets quite a lot of heat, um, and it's kipping pull-ups. Now... Yeah. We recently did an episode on CrossFit, right? Is it bad for you, CrossFit? So chat shit, getfit.com slash CrossFit if you want to hear about injuries in total. So, mm. um, and we also mentioned handstand push-ups. So this is a kind of link as well. It's quite similar in terms of that, but there's a bit more context to it. It's a bit more of a skill, isn't it? It's a bit more difficult. Um, but basically what we sort of concluded in that CrossFit episode, uh, if you haven't heard it, was that there is actually papers now that look at CrossFit as a whole. So in terms of injury rates as a whole, and what we found was that it's not really any different to other training modalities. Yeah. So, like, if you looked at any other thing like weightlifting, powerlifting, etc., there was no real injury difference rates. In injury rates. One thousand hours of training are pretty much similar. Yeah. And keeping pull-ups and hands push-ups are a part of that. So overall, what we were seeing there was that there was no real difference in the injury rates. Um, if I sort of give you my opinion on the kip pull-up, is I don't think it poses sort of any more of a significant health risk compared to any other movement progression. So what I mean by that is if you look at someone who um, does running opposed to walking. Running, you yeah. could class as it's a progressive version of walking, isn't it? You just increase yeah. the speed a bit. A kipping pull-up could be seen as a progressive uh, version of a strict pull-up because you've got more. It's more dynamic movement. There's more movement, mm. but you don't see people saying runners are fucking nightmares. They're dangerous fuckers. They're out of control. I mean, I know, I know. There's a lot of videos of where people do hurt themselves doing kipping pull-ups, where they, you know, fall off and hit the barbell that's underneath them, or they fall off and hit a hard <laughs> floor or a soft floor. Um, I don't think it's because inherently the the movement is dangerous. It's just I, I have a feeling the injury probably occurs because they hit the floor. Yeah, the fl- the impact. You said what well, you trying to tell me? It's an impact it wasn't issue. The, yeah. It wasn't the kip yeah. that hurt. It was the it was, yeah. yeah. It wasn't the fall that uh, hurt. It was the actual hitting of the floor. Yeah, exactly. I actually seen that video. I actually think I've used that video in one of my. I do. I'm doing a video on um. CrossFit yeah. tips next week, I think it is. And I think that is actually one of the clips I used. The guy, he's doing the kipping and he falls off and smashes his head on yeah. the back of a butt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's so. awful to laugh. But um, but this is what I mean. Know, that people people see that. And as you said, they, they're inherently blaming. They think it's the kipping pull-ups fault that they got injured. No, it's the impact of falling on the fucking floor. Someone once pointed out to me as well, when I, I actually showed him the evidence of like, yeah, the injuries per 1000 hours of training it was like oh yeah most of the common injuries were yeah so the shoulder the shoulder girl the shoulder joint etc i was like well yeah that's like where one of the main movements occurs is the shoulder joint you know the hips and the knees no one's ever gonna well i'll say no one's ever but it's very unlikely in the gym that you're gonna get fucking injured i don't know on your eyelid usually it's mm-hmm. gonna be where the movement's coming from so yeah i don't think it's oh shit it says in this paper that most of the injuries were you know shoulder related it's like well yeah but you could say that about powerlifting bench well, do pressing, you know why mate shoulder pressing, it's not it's press. not because of one inherent movement it's because the loading issue of a lot of crossfit movements will use the shoulder and if you're loading that too much then yeah fair, if you're not programmed it properly if you're just doing endless wads like four wads a day every day i think um with crossfit from the normie point of view a lot of the fear is the actual the sudden jerk, herky jerkiness of the movement. I think they, I think people. people assume it is. They don't realize actually you're just using that movement to glide. Yeah, yeah, it's glide. Yeah, it's controlled movement. It's a skill. It's a Even skill. Even though it's, it's rapid, not, it's not it's a swing. Controlled. Yeah, you're, you're contra- people assume yeah. that you're throwing yourself up and it's letting your joints slam down afterwards, and that's actually not what's happening. No, you're gliding like clockwork. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Um, and I'll, get, I'll put it from like a coach's point of view as well. If you when you go to like a gym, a CrossFit gym, for example, when it comes to like the kip and pull up, the way you should really approach it is that you you want to basically be building a good base of strict pull ups while you're learning the skill. And then when you get a good amount of strict pull-ups, so let's say you get 10 strict pull-ups, that's a good move, that's a good time to then move on to the kipping. And what I'm not saying, don't straw man me, what I'm not saying is that you can't I'll go straight into you. kipping. You can't go straight into kipping. You can go straight into kipping. All I find is that you, if you have a good amount of strict in the bag, you'll find kipping easier. Yeah. That's all I'm saying is you'll find kipping easier if you have a good amount of strict in the bag. But you can do kipping straight away if you want. The world's not going to win. Just don't do too <laughs> many if you're not used to it. Yeah, don't do too much too soon. Yeah, it's basically what I'm saying. Yeah. And it's funny enough, actually, I've not seen any specific data on t- in terms of kipping pull-ups. If someone says to you, kipping pull-ups wins you, ask for data because there's not actually any good or bad I've seen. Yeah. The data we've seen is is overall. It's like overall with CrossFit. That's all we can go off is the ones that say CrossFit overall is not any more dangerous than other modalities. I mean, that'd be wild to have like this one study based on kipping pull-ups itself. Maybe we should do it, Tom. Maybe we should, maybe we should get it. Maybe we should actually Yeah, you paper. could do it and I'll, uh, I'll, I'll watch it. <laughs> Subject size one. Tom, we do you, Tom, because you've never done it before, so it'll be interesting. Oh yeah, imagine that. Fucking. What we we'll do, Tom, is that we'll we'll get you to do a hundred a day and see if that increases your injury risk, <laughs> and I'll do one a day, and then we'll see. Do you know what? I'll just um, I'll I'll just I'll just review it, and I'll be happy with that. Just review the paper. You won't get me kipping. <laughs> <laughs> not no, because anyway. I think it's dangerous. I'm just not keen on it. There's no point. You don't need to do. Um, I'll quickly touch on hands and push as well, Tom, because we did mention that. Uh, the only difference with this is is that there's more? There's obviously more room for error, right? Because if you're upside down and you haven't got the strength to hold your own body weight up, you might fall and hit your head. But once again, that's an impact issue. That's not the inherent issue of you doing a handstand push-up. You doing a handstand push-up is you're just pressing your own body weight up. You're basically doing a mm. shoulder press, aren't you? But the problem is that it comes with it is because if you've not built up, like you've not gradually loaded yourself to hold your body weight upside down, yes, you might fall and hurt yeah. yourself. But that's because you've fallen and you're not ready for it. It's not because of the movement. Plus, like, when it comes, we do tend to be quite weak in the shoulder, shoulder girdle when it comes to overhead pre- press movements mm-hmm. anyway. When it is like a strict kind of press, you're not using momentum like a, yeah, yeah. you know, like an Olympic a kipping hand like, push up, push press. Even just pushing your body weight with shoulder is quite tough. Mm-hmm. It's it very tough, quite yeah. tough, yeah. Have you tried a handstand push up before, Tom? Do you know what? Back when I was like a 30 kilos lighter, you know. Oh, we know when you're doing your Spartan do- races. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, when I was like deadly skinny. Yeah, yeah I used to ban them out every now and again. Um, against the wall, obviously, because my balance is awful. But yeah, I used to I used to be able to do a cup and I, I really enjoyed them. Yeah, Where I really enjoyed Tom? them. Seen that from Leon. Bear me one second. Isn't your shoulders more flared on handstand push-ups? I constantly hear flared shoulders on pushing movements equals bad. Not really. Some people might find it more uncomfortable. But once again, I say it's personal preference, isn't it? Me personally, for my pushing movements, I don't like to have a wide grip, but that's because I like to get a full range of motion, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. But let's just say, like some Olympic lifts, etc., where you might want to have a wider grip, you go for it. Yeah, go for like it. me. For yeah. me, example, Leon, when I do handstand push-ups, I I do try to go a bit wider sometimes because it is obviously less range of motion when you go wider. But I don't find it very comfortable, so I I naturally go narrower because I've I've built up that load of going narrower over yeah. time. But it's not to say that if I went wider, it's going to mess me up. It just means because I haven't loaded myself in that position. Yeah, you can go you can go like width-wise in your hands and push-ups. It can vary on individuals. It just depends yeah. on what you've built a tolerance up to. I mean, this is my personal preference, but I I I like to get a good range of motion so all of my pushing movements my arms are super narrow so overhead press i'm like a fucking hamster you know my hands are really close if i'm doing bench press i'm i'm still narrow um 
even push-ups, like I do marine-style push-ups, so my my elbows are pinned, pinned in, to my pinned side. In, yeah, yeah. Um, it's not because I think, oh, they're superior or that, you know, oh, it's uh, going to reduce my injury risk. It's just, it's just my preferred preference because I prefer to get that extra range of motion. Yeah. Um, I mean, I have people do push-ups. Uh, I mean, Fern can attest to this. I have people do push-ups, but if people's elbows flare out a little bit, it's really not that big a deal. I used to have that fear of having people do push-ups in a crucifix position. Now, I do think it's slightly easier, you know, to tuck in a little bit where you can kind of like get the terrors and pack the lats in a little bit more and you get a little bit more stable because we do tend to be a little bit more wobblier when we're in that crucifix position. But if someone was doing push-ups like that, I'm not going to go, oh, yeah, you're going to definitely hurt yourself doing that. It's just that, hmm biomechanics maybe we can utilize uh bringing it in a little bit more you know so we can stabilize you a little bit more but do you notice how i said that's to do with efficiency not to mm-hmm. do with pain and injury not pain and injury yeah sure that's a lot of movements though isn't it we can move more efficiently we're going to aren't we of course yeah right tom we, we put we put, put we put this down we haven't discussed retro at all about it we said shall we touch on the whole mike boyle thing in terms of orthopedic Fuck yeah we're cost? gonna touch on it oh god tom's about to be unleashed yeah, oh god oh god here we go Let's fucking go get him. Yeah. Um, do you want to give some co- Mike Boyle? He's been a bit of a controversy, uh, controversy in the oh, last week or so. Oh, do you want some controversy? Oh, go on. Give it to me. I was clearing out my new office space yesterday. Hmm. I was clearing out my new office space yesterday and I found loads of my old PT stuff that I was just kind of like, yeah, I don't really need this anymore. I'm going to bin it. And I actually, I've actually got the bin bag here because it's not bin day yet, so I've not thrown it out. I'm actually going through my bin right now. And I've actually found... um, I'm actually going to cover the guy on the cover because uh, I've actually spoken to him before and he's actually a really nice guy. But I've actually got Mike Boyle's book here. Functional Training for Sports. Nice. Yeah. Um, And this is something I bought when I first got into PT because I was like, functional training, that's all the rage, isn't it? Um, This is going straight back in the bin. Or I might actually go and you know shred it at work because there's always the danger that someone might actually find it and use it. Um, but yeah, Mike Boyle is basically an S&C coach and he actually has like, he's actually not that bad in regards to the way he trains people. But Up until recently, he was he was sort of left alone. He was, he was actually quite high, held in quite high regard, wasn't he? Yeah. Do you know what? I think this is the curse of social media is that people get more exposed. Sometimes they get overexposed. And you put one like, wrong tweet you know out, what? mate, you're fucked. You put a wrong tweet, yeah. you're getting cancelled instantly. Yeah. But it's like one of those things where like, maybe he's always had these Nasebic messages. It's just that it's not been Reach on audience. such a big platform. Yeah. You know, if you're only ever training your little S&C studio... You know, or you only with select clients, and only a certain amount of people actually get to see you and hear everything you say day to day. You're almost in your echo chamber. Social media suddenly expose you to people that actually read research. Basically, basically, if people aren't aware what Mike Boy, he he was basically saying a certain exercise which weren't worth the orthopedic cost. He's basically saying that over time these movements are going to yeah. fuck you up. He's basically saying that they're not worth it. By the time you're old, your back's going to be in shit state. Is basically what he's saying. Back when I was still a fan of him, and I'd never heard anyone criticise him before. I'd never heard anyone criticise him before. And it was around a time when I was a fan of his. Yeah, um, sure. He put up a, a really long-winded post where he was talking about how barbell back squats, this is when the orthopaedic costs started to creep through, you know. And he said, oh, barbell back squats, long-term, we shouldn't be doing that because it causes a lot of talk and it's bad for our spine. Mm. And I was just reading it. I was like, is is he really posting this? This, this doesn't seem like yeah. something that... 
you know, who like Mike considered an authority yeah. at a time, like someone they would say. But obviously, over time, more and more stuff's come through. So once again, we should only be straight bar uh, dead. Uh, no, sorry, we should only be trap bar deadlifting because of the orthopedic costs. Because over time, our joints are going to wear down. And he even compared us to cars, which, as I explained earlier, makes zero sense because unlike cars, we adapt. Yeah. We adapt over time. We adapt he's, over he, time. He's ran away with this. People have been actually confronting him and actually saying to him, look, Mike, what are you talking about? And he's just fucking, he's, gone, he's, he's, not, he's not listening, is he? No, he hasn't. And it's very surprising. But the thing is, like, people have said to him, like, Mike, look, this is what the current research says. This is what the evidence says. Um, have you got anything to back up your claims? And his only response is, well, basically, I've got more experience. I've been in the game longer than you, so I know. You know, I'm older than you, so I know. I know better. Um, and I've said this at work plenty of times to the PTs, and that is experience only gets you so far if you're not up to date with the current evidence. Mm. I would rather take on, I'd rather hire, if I was a, a, a normie looking for personal training, I'd rather take on a PT who is more up to date with the current evidence, you know, than say someone that's been in the bodybuilding game for 20 years, has won a show, etc. but they, they have never left that keto phase or you have to train to failure on every set phase. You know, I had this conversation with someone the other day, actually, Tom, about how I think experience, you know, there's the whole thing about people can't get jobs because they haven't got experience. But I always find now that, like, you'd rather, as you said, rather take someone who, who's actively looking to keep up to date, actively wanting to stay at research, than someone who's got loads of experience. Because with people with loads of experience, they've got a habit of staying stuck in their old ways. Oh, mate, very I'm so stubborn. glad you've said that. Um, there, is a, there was a paper I read in the past... It's about two the years. Yes, and I've not been yeah. able to find it since. You're not, yeah. No matter what I paper, type into it? PubMed, I cannot fucking find it. But Wasn't it to do with the occurrence of fuck-ups was basically higher the more years they stayed in practice? Yes, and also they wasn't as up-to-date with the current evidence. So the, the longer someone had been in their profession, in a clinical setting as a doctor, you know, as a physician, the longer they'd been in the business for, the more experience they had, the more f- mistakes they made, the more fuck-ups... Um, and uh, did, 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 like the less up to date with the current evidence, like there was more dogmatic. Like, well, I've yeah, been they were because they think, yeah. oh yeah, I've been a doctor for thirty years. Yeah. I know what I'm fucking doing. It's like, well, no, the evidence, science changes so rapidly. Yeah. And you have to I'm actually willing to take a leap here and say that's probably the same for most professions, including personal trainers. And that's why I think the whole argument of oh, you should having you should have experience for job X Y Z. Yes, it's good to have a little bit, but I think if you've got too much. You've run the risk, as you said, becoming bit, you're, you're stuck in your ways, and it's very hard to mould someone in the image of how your company works or how you want to do things in your yeah. practice clinic, whatever it is. Yeah. So I think it's pretty important. So I think this is the, the, this is what this thing is what's happened with Mike Boyle. I think he's been around so long now, he's um, lost the plot. Listen, my uh, experience is still important, and experience can totally, totally work in your favour. However. I'd rather take the current evidence over experience mm-hmm. any day of the week because experience is heavily influenced by personal bias. Mm-hmm. Whereas proper peer-reviewed research, actually we get to look at a whole wide range of factors. If I was relying only on experience alone, I would still be believing fucking bodybuilders who are using fat burning cream on their belly. <laughs> fat burning cream? Yeah. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. Ronnie Coleman promoted it once. It was really upsetting to see, but oh, I love Ronnie. So I'd... Ron, Ronnie could tell me posture was extremely important to pain and, uh, you know, injury. And I would actually believe him just because it's Ronnie Coleman. I think Ronnie said behind the neck pusher, behind the neck pushes were uh, dangerous. Ronnie's right because it's Ronnie. <laughs> I love it. I can't disagree with Ronnie. Oh, dear. <laughs> It'd be like arguing with your granddad. <laughs> yeah, look at him now. Eh? 
poor bloke. Yeah, Killeen just made a really good point there. A combination of experience of an open mind to CPD is so necessary. I think that's quite hard to find, though. It's quite yeah. a rarity, I find. <laughs> so, yes, yes, but be careful with what CPDs, because some CPDs just, mm, just true. go further into echo chambers. Um, but, yeah, totally. Continue professional, you know, development, totally. But... The right type. The right ones. But what are the right ones? It's really hard to say. Yeah, it's, my, it's a mindful. You know, we mentioned it, yeah. Greg Lehman earlier on. Mm. If I can find it, within the next hour, I'm going to post a link. But he has like a free course on biomechanics and pain science. And if anyone's willing to spend however long reading that course, it will completely change the way you look at training and pain and everything I've kind of gobbled about earlier on. Big yeah. Greg saves day again. Uh, and is it continuing professional development, CPD? Yeah, continue, Yeah, continual professional development. Uh, like as PTs in particular, CPDs get sold left, right and centre. So once I became a qualified personal trainer, I did CPDs in kettlebells. I was about <laughs> so to say uh, boot camp. I had to earn the right Out, to use boot camps. Yeah. yeah. Um, I did a CPD in gym-based boxing. Functional Absolute training, shit. that one? Metabolic circuit training. Basically, hit training. You could do CPDs Burpees. in all sort. There's CPDs for prenatal training. You know, uh, low back pain training. All sorts. Yeah, all, all sorts. sorts in, there. in the army is CPDs. Technically, you go into all sorts of courses. PTI bill. Mm, yeah. Sniper courses. Diver courses. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Underwater flamethrower. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck's sake. That's very good. Yeah. Cool. Uh, I think we'll summarise there, Tom. Uh, basically, we kind of sort of highlighted this is that there are no, I'll repeat that, there are no bad exercises. Um, and basically, any injury that has occurred during your exercise is always going to be multifactorial. It's never going to be just the issue of the exercise, your, the inherent exercise. There'll all be other factors that come into play, uh, literally whatever you're doing. I mean, I've got a few examples here that it could be to do with, and these are the most common ones anyway. Load management, so that means essentially poor programming. So if you've got a shit program, that could increase the risk. Lack of exposure to said movement, slash, yeah. slash adaptation time. So as Tom mentioned earlier, doing too much too soon. Yeah. Fatigue. So if you go into the gym, you have two hours sleep, you've trained three days in a row, fatigue could be an could be a factor. Yeah. You get injured. There's a the psychosocial aspect as well, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Your perceived beliefs of pain, being exposed to nocebic information, you know. Yeah. Someone telling you your sit-up's dangerous. Yeah. Someone telling you, you know, social aspects, norms, your support group, mm. things like depression, yeah. you know, sleep, yeah. fatigue, load management. Yeah. And there's something you said earlier, Tom, sometimes shit happens. Sometimes shit happens. You, you could go down for a lunge. Just I'm doing a lunge. What about if I twist my ankle out of nowhere? I just misplaced shit my foot happens. wrong, twist my ankle. Shit happens. It's not the lunge's fault. It's because I fucking twist my... I've just, I've just put it, misplaced my foot. It do be like that sometimes, Bill. It do be like that. It will be. Yeah. Um, but do you know what? Just to add a bit more context, we're not saying that you can't get hurt doing these movements. You can. But as Bill just mentioned, there's loads of factors that can influence that. I don't think there is a single inherently bad exercise of movement. We can adapt in all weird and wonderful ways. We see this with strong men who pick up ridiculously heavy loads with backs that make them look like human prawns, you know? Uh, we see gymnastics, you know, we see uh, contortionists, people that bend their body in weird ways. We are extremely adaptable beings and it's, it's it's amazing. It is really amazing how we manage to recover and then adapt from that stress when done properly. I would rather, in regards to my form, in regards to my form, I would rather be 
strong and ugly, then weak and pretty in regards to my form. Well, yes, because at the end of the day, mate, any activity is going to be better than an activity for our health. I'd rather do it shit, like look bad, and but doing it like, you know, obviously the pro- proper programming and stuff, all that load management and stuff. But yeah. as you said, I'd rather do it looking fucking shit because I know yeah. the benefits are going to come from there and do nothing at all just because I'm scared of this negative narrative exactly. uh, which gets pushed. Exactly. Yeah, in regards to the actual movements themselves, yeah, I don't think there's one bad movement. I do, I do think there can be some that might be inappropriate depending on the goal you're going for. Yeah, as we as we said, and there's certain contexts where sometimes what well, what well, there's no need for you to do that. If you've got like, for example, if you're already in pain, if you've already got shoulder pain, for example, as we said, there's no need for you to yeah. behind the next shoulder press if you're already in. Yeah, I think there's uh, moments in time where something would be inappropriate for you, depending on your capacity as well. But it's not inherently bad on its own. If we took all factors out of it on its own, we're not saying there's any inherent bad movement. Let's just say if you had a shoulder injury, and an upright row is causing you aggravation. Okay, don't do it. But over time, you might be able to gradually build up. You might just be pulling something upwards to about groin height, then eventually, you know, belly button height, then nipple height. Then before you know it, you've built the capacity that, well, I did have a shoulder injury, but I'm able to do upright rows now. You know, it's not the movement itself. It's about building your capacity to do it. And is it a movement that helps you reach your goals at the time? Or is it a movement that you simply enjoy? In which case, it's a fucking democracy. You do whatever you want. And someone types so, something. Cl- Let's have yeah, a look. clean. Clean just, uh, Here just we finishing don't need us off. do box jumps because we don't have wins. Holy shit. Whilst I'm talking to Colleen, what is it with this Kiwi laser eye flag thing? Have you seen this, Bill? No. T- oh, t- my t- God. So go. I found out that great there was a flag now. referendum. Hang on. A flag referendum. Oh, here we go. Getting, getting political, are we, Tom? What's going on here, mate? So there was a flag referendum where people were designing a new flag for, yeah, Kiwis. And someone designed this flag on fucking hell. Please load up. Please load up. Come, mate. Twitch is waiting. This was the flag that someone designed. Let me get it on so yeah. I can actually see what's going on. Oh, my. Someone designed that? Yeah, someone actually designed that. And you can actually go the- onto Wikipedia... And read what the person that created it said. What are they? What they actually said? You got. You got to tell me now, mate. Can't be on a find out. Like yeah. A laser bird. The what laser the kiwi fuck? flag. It was originally titled "Fire the Laser." It was designed in 2015 by Lucy Gray as a proposed flag of New Zealand for the 2015 to 2016 New Zealand flag referendums. It's since become a social media phenomenon that has created ongoing interest in the design. The description of the flag was that the laser beam projects a powerful image of New Zealand. I believe my design is so powerful it does not need to be discussed. <laughs> <laughs> you just said that's that on fucking, Wikipedia. That's yeah, brilliant. That. But that's it. It's a, uh, yeah, Kiwi Bird uh, shooting a laser wow, beam wait. out of his eyes. Do you know what? Say, mate. If they adopted that flag, they could colonise us, you know, and I would not fight yeah, back. Fucking... I would not fight mate, back. That, you know what this does, mate? This just further reinforces your points of the birds aren't real. Yeah. This. That, mate, when I saw that flag, I, I knew shit a brick. <laughs> that was awesome <laughs> shit a brick yeah cool. that is good that was awesome but you know what's funny that flag has been flown at Glastonbury uh, some members of the New Zealand military have flown it as well it's actually become a, like a big phenomenon imagine going to battle with that <laughs> you would shit it yeah you what's, would shit what's it clean, clean records that's been designed by an Aussie I'm not getting involved clean I'm not starting a, yeah. I'm not starting wars alright I'm saying that oh, was... yeah let's not go there <laughs> Anyway, I think we should finish the episode. I feel like we just uh, yeah. <laughs> finished on birds again. Let's go for it.
been a pleasure as always guys we'll, uh, we'll see you next week see you later guys have a good one as always thanks for listening if you are enjoying our content I'd encourage you to go check out our Patreon support thingy where you can help us with the running of the podcast but get some cool perks as well including behind the scenes video footage from our Twitch streams if you do happen to miss them and we also have live access to any guest podcast which is only for Patreons You'll also have the opportunity to be a producer of the show, get a personal thank you video from myself and Tom, and even hop onto monthly calls to discuss your own health and fitness journey with us. So there's loads to be had there, and it all starts at the price of a cup of coffee, location dependent, of course. So head to patreon.com slash podcast or see the link in the show notes, and hopefully we'll see you over there soon. We will see you next week, same time, same place, for a brand new episode. See you soon.